Likely, there are few in the modern world who have not heard the name Lionel Messi. The storied footballer has wowed and amazed and transformed the game of soccer so much so that his name is constantly brought up as the world's greatest footballer, and he's in the mix when considering who the all-time greats of the game are. Hello, you're listening to Reb Brad and the Soccer Chaplains United podcast from the Touchline. Today, we're talking about the Messi mess. A little over two weeks ago now, French club Paris Saint-Germain also known as PSG, announced the addition of Messi to their ranks. The Argentinian, Messi, had grown up and played his entire life for Spanish football giant Barcelona. From the junior teams to first team, Messi amassed an amazing 550 games for the club and 485 goals since first featuring for Barca in 2003. And yet, it was a tearful Messi who sadly announced he would not be returning to his lifelong club, despite offering to take a 50% wage cut. The press conference and subsequent sweeping up of Messi by PSG has created a bit of a stir. And when we come back, we'll dive more into the Messi mess. He's found the space and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post. Almost made him in. And they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner, goes towards the near post, and you're on the angle, and what a goal! What a goal! Let me start off by saying I am a loyalist. That is to say, I appreciate loyalty, whether we're talking about a particular brand, a person, a club. I love longevity. I like relationships of trust. I think in the modern world of sport and other parts of life, though, there's less and less loyalty that exists today. You know, we we have things like free agency or there's financial incentives or sometimes a brand or a person goes through a dark time. And for whatever other circumstances, there's less and less sense of loyalty, uh, usually to a team in one sporting career and, and for other things as well. I think, too, there's a lot more transience in the workspace, as, as we can know. Uh, you know, back some 20 years ago, research and studies were showing shifts in work culture as people stopped working for the same company that they were at for 30, 40 years of life, and instead they started changing jobs and companies uh, as often as every five years. I'd be curious to see what the numbers are like today. You know, a few years ago, I did an unscientific survey of footballers with the team that I serve, the Colorado Rapids. I found the average length of time that an athlete stayed with the team was right around three years. And certainly there were a few players who had been part of the club for a longer period. And and certainly that average length of stay, I would say, is trending downward nowadays. But think for a moment of some of the lifers that exist in your space with your team. Could you ever see them moving on to a different company, a different team, different organization and working there? You know, likely there are some examples where... You know, it might not feel quite so comfortable that it might seem like they're not quite a fit. I'm a Manchester United fan. I remember feeling this way about Jose Mourinho as he came to coach the Red Devils. It just didn't feel right. In many ways, I think the stamp of Sir Alex and the culture that existed, or at least that I like to think believe existed, just didn't seem to fit the special one. I'm not necessarily a prophet, but you had to feel it wouldn't last. Or it's like seeing the famous MJ, Michael Jordan, playing the last of his storied career with the Washington Wizards. 
you don't really believe it. Jordan was and always will be a Chicago Bull, and no matter how well he did coming back from, I think it was a second retirement to play for the Wizards, you just had to imagine that it wasn't going to last. And no one today thinks of Jordan finishing his his time as a Wizard. I mean, they uh, obviously that's true, but he's a Bull. You know, he's a Chicago Bull. He's He's forever a fixture of that team and that time. So to see Lionel Messi in a different uniform with a different club team, ah, I think it's going to be hard for many people to swallow, hard for many people to believe. But here's where the messy mess has me wondering. Here you have one of the greatest players the game has ever seen. He is one of the most popular people on the planet, I'd say. He's likely wealthy beyond imagination. The extent of his influence, at least in the football world, is probably likely unascertainable. There is a Midas-like flavor to his life and story. He's played for a lifetime at one of the most wealthy, powerful, and recognizable football clubs in the world and in history, and yet, and yet, you know, even if you believe Messi to be the greatest of all time, even Messi doesn't get to write the ending of his football story. If Messi and his emotions and words are to be believed, he wanted to stay at Barca for life. This is where he's grown up. He's lived, his family, everything is woven so intimately into the history and fabric of his club. And yet he's gone. He's moved some 10 plus hours and over a thousand kilometers north to a different country, a different club to take on the next chapter of his football career. And it seems not necessarily the choice that he wanted and not necessarily the choice that Barcelona Football Club would have wanted. So what gives? Well, I think this debacle illustrates a part of the Bible that I've meditated on a lot as a chaplain and pastor. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans. We make tons of plans, whether a career path, education choices, whom we will marry, where we will live, what our children will do, where and when we will retire. There are so many ways that we we work out this future planning. But the truth is that there are some things we simply cannot plan for. These are the unforeseeable things. It could be an illness. It could be death. It could be a thing like COVID, a pandemic. It could be a stock market that crashes or that, that rises sky high. We can't plan for some of these things. But as children of God, we have to understand planning isn't sinful or, or evil necessarily. But we have to live in a constant state of surrender. We have to hold up our plans, quote unquote, to God, knowing that his plans for our lives and whatever that entails may be totally different. You know, this is reiterated at several places throughout scripture. Proverbs 16 has more to say on plans and planning in the same vein. In verse 1, it starts, To humans belong the plans of the heart. But from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked, for a day of disaster. And, in verse 9, it goes on to say, In their human hearts, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In the New Testament, we read in the book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, it says this, 
Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. You know, friends, this, this might seem subtle. It may not come across exactly because I'm, I'm reading quickly through the biblical text, but let me highlight it. You see, there's a need to commit, a need to surrender, to live our lives in such a way that our plans are subject to the will of God and that we grow to become okay with it either way. You know, Jesus taught us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, it's, it's, not, it's not my will. It's not what I want. It's, yes, I can wish and hope and, and dream and desire things, but I have to hold those things in such a way. And, and we don't pray thy will be done as, as a little kid who maybe has his fingers crossed behind his back, uh, thinking that, oh, if I say these words, um, maybe it's a special chant or token or a way to get what I want or to avoid pain. You see, we truly need to invite God's will into our plans and into the things that we desire, into the things that that we hope to accomplish and hope to do. You know, I have a simple exercise I was once taught to me, and I share it when I counsel footballers on this. Uh, sometimes we're sitting for a coffee or something, and I, I'll take the car keys in my hand, and, and I cut my hand in such a way that I hold the keys so that they don't fall out if I turn my hand slightly. But I hold them also in such a way that someone could take the keys out of my hand if they wanted to. And I share, and I say... You know, God wants us to hold things in such a way that we steward them well, that we, that we hold on to what we've been entrusted with. We can't be slack and lazy about it, but we also don't hold on to it with a clenched fist. And, and, and it's not like we can't surrender it or let it, let it go of it if God were to ask it of us or demand it. Now, friends, if we can hold different things in our lives this way, whether our plans our career aspirations and hopes and dreams, well, I think there's a way that God kind of works with us in that. Now, what am I saying in relation to Messi? Am I judging him and saying that he's held on too long to this idea of being at Barca for his whole life? No. Now, more so in regards to Messi, I'm just trying to make the point that in spite of all the money and influence and power and prestige and everything, Neither he nor the club were able to make their own history, make their own way the way they wanted it. And if Messi could get caught up in a story that turns that way, with all the power, influence, money, prestige, everything, how much more is it going to be for you and me? How much more are you and I going to be absolutely unable to control our own story? Now, the other thing. Am I saying that Messi's living without God, not surrendering to him? Again, I have no idea. I don't know Messi personally. It could be. But friends, it's to say that when we surrender control of our lives to God, when we live in a surrendered state, and and not because we're trying to get something or keep something from God, uh, this is this is the point of what we're what we're about. And and it isn't easy. 
you know, I think it's it's hard to see that God's purposes prevail in the moments when we go through a particular thing like this. I think it takes time, but I think we can look back at different points in life and realize the goodness of God, even when we had to walk through some unexpected bend in the road, or we have to go through a darkness or a pain we've had to give up, or we've lost something that we've held on to and cherished. You know, a story from my own life. I moved a number of times as a kid. Sometimes people ask, was your dad in the military or something? But uh, no, he was in sales. We just moved, uh, you know, and we moved at a couple critical junctures in my life. Right as my sixth grade year was about to begin. And again, at the end of my junior year of high school, we moved cross country. And I left significant friendships and senses of familiarity. Some of it was offset with, you know, the thrill of adventure, starting something new kind of thing. But those things don't last long uh, or as long as you think they will. Looking back on my life story, and, and just to keep it really simple, in those two key moves, I can see some of the purposes of God in it for my life. First, it I think it helps me be more sympathetic to the moving that many athletes coaches and and people in the beautiful game and their families have to do. The second thing is it it forced me to learn a a semblance of independence. You know, I had to go out, strike out on my own a little bit and find new friendships. And and that was a third thing is I I had to learn how to reach out and make new friends, develop relationships, even when I was viewed as the stranger, the outsider. And I can tell you that's invaluable. And uh, in my experience as a chaplain, I've, I've needed that. And, and maybe there's some more benefits, things I could say that uh, as I look back on, on that story and that part of it, that I see God's goodness. But suffice it to say that even in the difficulty of leaving at those crucial junctures of you know, life as a kid, maybe not having those lifelong childhood friends or growing up in the same hometown all my life, even in those things, God was working his purposes out for my good and for his glory. And this is a firm conviction that I hold today. I think, too, it's affirmed in Scripture and it's a testimony of my own life. So, back to Messi. How will the story go for him? I don't know. Maybe in surrendering the plans, uh, he'll see good and godly things that happen as a result. And maybe from playing at PSG for the next few years, we may see some divine plan play out there. I don't know. Maybe God might use the pain of living a city in a club that Messi and his family had grown to love to somehow grow or draw Messi closer to him. Time will tell. British author and theologian C.S. Lewis once said, There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. And those to whom God says, In the end, Thy will be done. Which person will we be? Well, let me close with a prayer that looks at surrendering and committing our plans to the Lord. Heavenly Father, Thy will be done. How many times have we recited this? How many times have we prayed? But deep down inside, we really only wanted our way. Help us to surrender our plans. Help us to commit our ways. Even our seeming innocence, you know and weigh the motives of the heart. Help us to start today, saying, if it's God's will, I'll do this or that. And if you give us 18 years or 18 months at a club, if you give us a lifetime or simply a holiday in a particular place and with a particular people, let us be okay with it. 
Help us to be okay with where and when you lead. Amen. Friend, thanks for listening. This is Rev Brad coming to you from the Touchline.